This is our last sermon on the prayer, a prayer for the church in these times. It's the last sentence. Send us forth into the new week with gladsome minds, free and joyful in the spirit of Christ. Those are some great phrases. Gladsome minds, free and joyful in the spirit of Christ. This send us forth gives me the image of the church as a harbor. And you think of boats that come in from a journey to the harbor. They need to be resupplied. You know, they need fuel. They need food. They need to, to rest and be energized so that then they can go out into the world again, leave the harbor. And I think of the church, this building, as a harbor that we come in from the week tired, worn out, frustrated, maybe in despair. And we come to be nourished and resupplied so that we can go out into the week with gladsome minds, free and joyful in the spirit of Jesus Christ. Gladsome minds. I thought of Psalm 150. You know, praise the Lord in the heavens. Praise the Lord for mighty deeds. Praise the Lord for surpassing greatness. Praise the Lord with lyre and lute. Praise the Lord with tambourine and harp. Praise the Lord with loud drums and cymbals. It's a psalm that's just full of praise. And you have to think the person who wrote this is a person who's energetic, enthusiastic, aware of what's going on around her, appreciative and grateful. They have a sense that all is well in God's world. This is a person who is focused on God's goodness, is grateful for it, and encourages others to share that enthusiasm about God and the world. Long time ago, Susan told me that you can tell if somebody's in love, if they want to share that love with others, if they want to expand their love. She said if somebody's just hoarding the experience and keeping it to themselves, they're really not in love. But this is a psalm of a person who's in love. They want to expand that love for others to experience, and they want to use the gifts that they have to praise God. You know, apparently this person is a musician, and they want drums to be used to praise God. They want cymbals to be used to praise God. You know, I suppose if you were a carpenter, you would say, let my hammer praise God. Let my saw praise God. If you were a cook, let my, let my pots and pans praise God. If you were a seamstress, let my threads and material praise God. The person who feels good about being alive and wants to share it. These days where people really are not feeling good about what's going on around them, you know, 
this is a good psalm. And it's good to talk about gladness. For the gladness is to the Lord, not what's going on around. I think it each of us at some time in our lives could have written this psalm. We can look around and see what we want to praise God for. We can do it this afternoon. And then we can think of what we have at hand, what our gifts are, that we want to use to praise God so that others know about God's goodness. We should start every day and end every day with a gladsome mind. Wouldn't that be a blessing? The mark of a gladsome mind is someone who's aware it's not just about me. It's about others. It's not a person who's all wrapped up in himself. It's a person who can say, I'm glad for you. I'm happy for you. I'm glad this happened to you. It's not a person who operates and expresses schadenfreude, gladness at the downfall of others, gladness at the suffering of others. It rejoices with those who rejoice. The prayer goes on. Send us forth into the week with gladsome minds, free and joyful in the spirit of Jesus Christ. If I were asked to name the top characteristics of Jesus, I would probably talk about teaching and preaching and and healing and justice Freedom and joy would not be in the front of my mind. Yet freedom and joy are the two overriding characteristics of Christ that probably empowered him to be a healer and a preacher and a teacher. And freedom and joy are his goals for us. Paul says in Galatians, For freedom Christ has set us free. And Jesus says in John, I have spoken these words to you that my joy may be complete and your joy may be full. Christ came for our freedom and our joy. So how is Christ free? How is his spirit free? Our lives tend to be defined and determined by how we identify ourselves. Jesus was not defined by his enemies. Too often we need an enemy to define us and our enemies tell us what to do. She did that to me, so I'm going to do it to her. She said that to me, so I'm going to act the same way to her. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes a point. Do not curse those who curse you. 
but bless them. Go the second mile with the one who imposes on you. We don't have to be mad at the person who treats us poorly. Our enemies don't define us. We can love those who persecute us. We can love those who hurt us. Jesus was not defined by results. Too often we're defined by, will it work? Will people like me if I do this? Will there be a payoff if I do this? Jesus was free of results. He loved people and told the truth and treated people truthfully. And he wasn't bound by what would happen. He did it because it was right. Jesus was not defined by his possessions, what he had or didn't have. Too often when we're defined by our possessions, we're defined by scarcity. We're defined by ingratitude. Jesus was defined by abundance. Consider the lilies of the field. And he could be generous. He had few wants. Jesus was not defined by vengeance. He was not overcome by evil. I think of the crucifixion as the ideal time for Jesus to come back and be vengeful. You betrayed me. You deserted me. You tortured me. Instead, he forgave. And Jesus was not defined by his fears. He was not defined by fear of the stranger, fear of the other, fear of people unlike himself. He was defined by hospitality and his openness. Jesus was defined by his relationship to God. He was defined by God's love for him and his love for God. He was free to be the person described in the Romans passage. His love could be genuine, not manipulative. He could not, he didn't have to lag in zeal. He could be ardent in spirit. He could rejoice in hope and be patient in suffering. He could contribute to the needs of the saints. <coughs> Augustine says, <coughs> have love. <coughs> Have love and do whatever you want. And that's kind of Jesus. He had love and did whatever he wanted then. Tonight, the Lit Club will be discussing Toni Morrison's novel, Beloved. One of the characters in the book, Paul, describes the difference between slavery and freedom as in freedom, you have the choice 
to love who you want to. And in freedom, you have the choice to love all people. One is joyful because one is free. One is joyful because they allow nothing to diminish their freedom. And joy is beyond duty. You know, we can be generous with our money, but not joyful in our giving. We can be helpful to others, but not joyful in our help. Joy is a, is a spirit that overflows. We know that Jesus was the incarnation of God who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Jesus is the Word that became flesh. And I wonder, did Jesus enjoy the incarnation? Did he enjoy living among us? Did Jesus enjoy when he got up early to pray? Did he enjoy the dawn? Sometimes did he just watch the dawn or watch, watch the sunset? Did he enjoy the meals that he ate with people? Did he enjoy the weddings that he went to? Did he enjoy the children? Did he enjoy the lilies of the field? Did he enjoy the people he talked about in parables? The widows and the bakers and the farmers and the fishermen and the Samaritans. I think Jesus, probably more than anybody who ever walked the earth, enjoyed creation and people. It was not a burden to him. This passage in Romans begins with, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. You know, what is it to be conformed to this world? I think to be conformed to this world is to be fearful. Fearful to the point of paralysis. Whenever I turn on cable news, my fear kicks in. And I watch enough of it that I'm not motivated to do something. I'm motivated just to be more fearful and more paralyzed. That's being conformed to this world. Not acting. To be angry is to be conformed to this world. And there's a lot to be angry about. To be vengeful is to be conformed to this world. To fear and hate the other, those who are not like me, is to be conformed to this world. And when that conformity happens, 
I feel like I'm in a box, and the box is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Praise. Be glad in God's world. Be defined by God, not by fears, not by possessions, not by vengeance, not by enemies. Find your freedom in being defined as God's child. And when we are free, we can act joyfully to help transform the world. We talk about thinking out of the box. Well, Paul's talking about thinking out of the box. Thinking out of the box so that we can tr creatively transform the world. When Karl Barth talks about salvation, he talks about it in terms of freedom. And he says, imagine a person sitting in a jail cell. And a person comes to the jail cell and unlocks the door and opens the door and says, you're free. Come out into the world and live as a free person. And he says, some people never get out and leave the jail cell. But he says, salvation is our getting up and believing Christ's word that we are free and going out into the world as free people with renewed minds to transform it. I've been exchanging emails with a, a mother in our church whose child just graduated from high school. And she said, you know, it took me a long time to realize that being a child of God was more than just saying it. I had to act on it and appropriate it into my life. And she said, what a difference it is in my life to live as a child of God to live in that free and joyful spirit. May we all go into this week with gladsome minds in the free and joyful spirit of Jesus Christ. It's a good way to live. May it be so.